the one and only. I'm Jason. And I'm Gary. And we're the uh, Portland Tim Beers. We talk a little bit about beer, soccer, skiing, whatever else what comes to our else? little dirty minds. <laughs> and when I say dirty, baby. No, no. I'm talking dirty. Perfectly clean. Perfectly clean. Especially on a Sunday from Gary's Garage. Yeah, that the brew house. We're uh, doing a little portable, what do we call it, podcasting live from the brewery, Deorum. Deorum Brewing. Yeah, so uh, what are you brewing, Big Dog? Uh, it is an oatmeal milk chocolate stout. Ooh, Debbie's favorite. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So uh, we just talked to Debbie, by the way, from Hawaii. From Hawaii, of all places. Yeah, it's been a rough uh, four or five days I've had. Oh, I'll bet. While she's hanging out in the sun. She's in paradise. And I'm in <laughs> purgatory. <laughs> Stuck between hell and heaven. Yeah, right there. Yeah, cleaning up dog piss every half hour. Anytime somebody comes over or just... Yeah, she's been randomly. pretty good. Not Debbie, but I mean the dog. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, she's been okay, but yeah, people come over, she gets excited, she pees, but yeah, she's, uh, like every animal should be regimented, so if you don't catch her going to the door, you're hosed. Yeah. Yeah, so you gotta watch, watch like a freaking hawk. Yes. So. At least she's telling you, right? Yeah, At least she's yeah. going to the door saying, hey, I gotta go potty, versus just going, eh, I'll just pee on the floor. Yeah, I feel like we got a decent routine going, so, um... But yeah, Deb's back in town, coming tonight. That'll take some relief off of me. Yeah. yeah. Well, brewing beer from Gary's Garage. Gary's Garage. Mashing it currently. Yes, mashing at 156. Yeah. And then uh, when we get close to the end, like the last probably seven minutes or so, I've got to bump that up to 168 for the mash out, and uh, then the rest is history. Well, that'll be bonus. So uh, that uh, fermenter you got there is, uh, or your brew device there, Bruja. Bruja. Efficient, holding the heat. Super efficient. No lid on that thing. Garage door open. Garage door open. Drill and going. Drill was going like crazy, and we couldn't get the temperature to drop to where <laughs> we needed it to. <laughs> you know what? You're hot, baby. That's why. Yeah, that's good. I'm brewing hot. <laughs> So uh, let's rewind this bitch and go all the way to uh, Friday night. Yeah, yeah, Friday. Friday, like, good times, great times. Ended great up times. over at Pacific Growlers for the, uh, which I believe we talked about in last week's episode. Yeah, their dark beer night. Dark beer night. Uh, I guess Jay, the owner, um, from what Joe was saying, has been stashing away uh, kegs as she found them over the past six months. Oh wow! And so the. Br- uh, kegs that we had um, of dark ales and barrel-aged ales were that collection, and last, or I guess Friday, they blew them out. That was a pretty so, good collection, too. Yeah, what did we say? 14 is what they had advertised, and I think yeah. I counted 20 on the thing. There, that, there were quite a few. Um, so I know I had eight. I had a sample flight of eight. Yeah, I ended up five with ounce six. Samples. And so and we crossed over only on a few of them. Yeah. And then I had a pint as we were playing shuffleboard. Yep. So uh, we had a lot of dark beer. A lot of dark beer. Anything memorable stick out besides the abyss? Yeah. 
<laughs> so they had Abyss 2017. Let's kill that little one. Yeah. Um, a horrible beer. <laughs> <laughs> but it was lighter than some of the other shit that we Oh, yeah. It, it was definitely lighter than a lot of that other stuff. Yeah. So uh, the Abyss 2018 or 2017, right? 2017. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it, it was good. It was, uh, to me, better than obviously this year's. It's mellowed a little bit. Yeah. So... Um, what else did we have on there? So, right from the top, Dark Tranquility. That was... Do you remember that one? Yeah, oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> super, super high alcohol taste on the front half. Um, and then the, the weird thing was is it was kind of smooth on the back half. But uh, the, the, the initial punch from that was kind of brutal. Yeah, so it was... I'm trying to look here. Uh, 8.6%. Dark Tranquility by Silver Moon Brewing at a bend there. Um, and it was punchy, man, for 8.9%. Yeah. So, it definitely was. Um, lots of lots of cask on that. Yep. And, uh, yeah, but respectable. I think Dark Tranquility, I was trying to remember, is the one they did where they mixed it with, like, uh, Marion Berries. And then they had another bottle. It was, like, a two-pack of these liter bottles. And then the other bottle was like, uh, like some sort of other berry or something like that. Huh. So they had like two berry versions of it, I think, if I'm thinking right. But so right from the get go, Tap uh, Sixteen had the Kai Brown, uh, <laughs> Kai Brown, Cooper Mountain, <laughs> also known as Chai to you, chai, freaking yeah. latte people. Yes. Um, so Cooper Mountain Brewing, we've been trying to get on the podcast for yeah, for a long time, yeah, about a year or so. And uh, one of the brewers that was there on Friday night yep. so had a chance to talk to him for a few minutes. Passed him a business card, and we just need to connect with those guys. Um, but they had one of their kegs there, which was kind of cool. And so, um, again, in the vintage or in the vein of chai tea, so. yes. So I'd be interested to know a little bit more about that one. I didn't talk about their beer with them. but um, And then there was a KBS Founders, so uh, 12.3%. Yeah, that beer was... Did you did you get that? Because I didn't have it. Um, I think I did get that one. Okay. Yeah. And then they had the Cherry at Sea by Pelican. Um, and I did going not with their get that one. Buried at Sea uh, thing they do every year. Yeah. 7.9. I think you and I are both not berries and cherries guys. No, no. Especially given what else I had to choose from on that list. Right. Um, and then Dark Tranquility by Silver Moon. Again, we talked about that. Very tasty beer, strong. Um, and then Overcast, Overcast Espresso Oakshire. Yep. This was on the lighter side for them. Yeah. Um, anybody that's had this beer, Heavy Hinsa, obviously Espresso. Um, by Oakshire. I love Oakshire's Hellshire. I wish that mm-hmm. was on tap here. Um, but this was 5.8%, 27 IBU. And then Dark Star by Fremont. Did you have that one? Because I didn't have that one. Dark Star. Number 21, Dark Star. Yeah, I don't remember. 8% alcohol. Yeah, I don't think I had that one. On my initial flight, I had uh, the Wild Turkey by Anderson Valley. It's a bourbon barrel <laughs> yeah. stout. And so the irony here is, compa- so we did this on the podcast a couple of years ago. Yeah. 
Um, and I believe you brought this one. And so Anderson does this thing with the wild turkey bourbon barrel. And then they've done some other ones with some other barrels. And we've had those too. Right. Um, and at the time, I think we were like, holy crap, yeah, this it thing's was, strong. It was wicked. Uh, but Friday then, night? Friday's was nice and mellow. <laughs> like... Almost too mellow. Because we're comparing it to some of the other stuff that was on that deal, man. We we were comparing it to ABVs that were 12%. And I wouldn't even say it was some of the ABV. Some of it was the syrup and the consistency in your mouth, too, right? Yeah. Like, it was almost watery compared to, like, dark tranquility. Yep. Yeah. So, but still, I mean, good good beer, 6.9%. But as we were talking, right... We're saying it's only six point nine percent only, but that's heavy on our wheelhouse. Exactly. Man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so then we go down the path and we hit Piper's Moon by Vanguard. We've been out to Vanguard, Vanguard down in Wilsonville. Um, this thing's five percent, and and it's okay. I mean, it deserved a place on the list. It's on the lower end, way lower end there. Um. But not overly barrelly. So. No. Not at all. It was just a dark no. beer. And then, your favorite, my favorite. Is this the 30? 2017 Abyss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 11.4%, 80 <laughs> IBUs, um, fairly mellow, definitely aged right. I'm fascinated that they had a keg of 2017 Abyss just stashed Isn't away. Isn't that crazy? Um, but sitting perfectly in a cooler, just waiting to come out, Damn. and it did, and whew, it was good. So, um, and then <laughs> number twenty-five, we had this at the end of the night, the Shimmer Gloom by Lewitt, and that was the peaty one that we had at the very oh, end. Oh yeah, right. Yep, twelve percent, forty-four IBU, um, and it was a ball buster man like it had some some heavy earthy type peat really type taste heavy. to it um but definitely definitely deserved to be on the list because it was so different compared to some of the stuff that started to blend together right um and then velvet merkin by firestone that was a good beer yep had that towards the end of the night 8.5 percent 33 ibu uh, Firestone Walker does this velvet merkin, right? And it was it was lighter, almost watery, smooth on the mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you compare it to like the Bourbon Barrel <laughs> Imperial Stout by Frim, which was the next one, yes. <laughs> oh boy, eleven point five percent, seventy IBU, and a ball buster. Like I'm gonna hit you in the face, yes, and you're gonna like it, baby. Which is odd, because most of Frem's beers are really smooth, very <laughs> tranquil. Not that one. That, yeah, that one just reached out and bitch slapped you. Yeah, this one was, uh, it was something, and it was kind of just going. And Anyways, so uh, autumn 2018, so uh, Mother Earth brings this thing out every year. So their version this year is the autumn 2018 And this was a 12.5% deal. Very earthy flavor. That's kind of what they do. It's organic, I believe, but um, interesting. And then Barrel Aid's Dark Muse by Worthy Brewing, 11.3%. This was on my initial flight. 
um, 60 IBU. And again, this was another in your face. I am a bourbon barrel and you're going <laughs> to drink me, bitch. <laughs> and you're going to like it. Yeah. And it is super strong for 11.3%. So, yes. Um, and then on the list, we had this at the end, and I believe this is what I had as a snifter. Notice I said I believe this is what I had as a snifter. <laughs> um, Black Buttes 30 by Deschutes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the strongest beer of the night. It was. 13.6%, 40 IBU. This was an expensive pitch for Pacific Growlers to buy. It was. And it was super, super good, super tasty. Um, reminiscent of Black Butte, but on steroids. Right. Yep. It, it was definitely that beer. Uh, Thirty-one was Velvet Merlin. So we talked about the Merlin up top, and this was on nit- Nitro. Nitro. Yep. yep. So super yeah. smooth. I wasn't a huge fan of the Nitro version of this. Um, I like a little bit of crisper, a little bit of bite to balance out like the over sweets or the over uh, syrupy type thing. Yeah. The, the the uh, nitro just kind of smoothed everything out. Yeah. 5.5%, so a little lighter for that. And then what I think you loved was this peanut butter porter on nitro by Wild Ride. Yeah, and it was a good beer. I mean, it's super, super sweet, though, so it's more like a dessert beer than, yeah. than anything. Yeah, a lot of residual sugars and in that in it but it um it was good definitely i mean pe- you could definitely taste the peanut butter yeah definitely could do peanut butter and definitely could do the chocolate yep. right so yeah so that was our night there um played some great shuffleboard at the end on the short shuffleboard table yeah short yeah so it just takes a little more adapting too yeah i mean you got to be able to play whatever you're at right. right whether it's on the deck of a boat or Short board or long board or the curved boards at uh, McMenamin's. <laughs> at McMenamin's. <laughs> damn curved the boards. The warped boards. We haven't played there in a lot. No, we haven't time. played there in a long, long time. I think the last time we were there was the Rumplements night. Yeah, and we ended up at Scotty. So good segue. Here we go. Yes. So then some jackass. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. All I remember is somebody saying, yeah, we need to go to Scotty's. They're driving back from Pacific Growlers. We're not driving. We Ubered. Yes. Um, John was driving. John was driving. And somebody's like, hey, we need to go. And John got there late, so he had way less beer than we did. Right. So uh, John loves Scotty's. That's what I think we know. Yep. He, I mean, he he says he doesn't, but he loves but he Scotty's. He loves Scotty's. Yeah. So Scotty's is a little neighborhood dive bar over in Tiger Beaverton off Shoals. And um, nothing ever good happens at Scotty's. No. No. Every time we've been to Scotty's, we're just decimated the next day. And we were decimated yesterday. Decimated yesterday. <laughs> so, God damn. Questioning why did we go to Scotty's. You know, we walk in the front door of this place. First of all, everybody starts looking at us. <laughs> like, the second we walk in. It's because we're not regulars. Right. And there's a mayor there. We're like, oh, there's the mayor. Okay. Yeah. And then we walk up to the bar, and I'm like, I have no idea what I even want. What do you order from a beer perspective at Scotty's? Right. right? And I all I do is I pick out the rogue handle, and I'm like, all right, that's got to be way <laughs> better than anything else that's going on up here. Dead guy ale. So I'll buy three dead guys, and the bartender instantly's like, no, 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 no. You guys need a, ke- uh, a pitcher. A pitcher. Need a pitcher. 
Well, we really don't need a pitcher. Like, <laughs> no, we don't need a pitcher right now. No, you need a pitcher. So, so, we so a pitcher, a dead guy, and how bad can that be? Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> so, so this <laughs> shitty pitcher of dead guy that's probably been sitting around since like, like 1998, <laughs> <laughs> and some bat cooler comes out. Long time. And uh, all of us look at each other like. What the hell are we drinking? This yeah. is the worst freaking worst dead guy ever. I've ever had. And so it's this old, stale dead guy. So we drink the dead guy, and then somebody decides we need an IPA. Freaking John. <laughs> Johnny and his IPAs. So we get IPAs, and then freaking John disappears. Time to go home. He's gone. Like, trains texting him, and he's gone. Yep. And so we're stuck with IPAs. Time to go. And John's gone. So then 2 a.m. hits. And we walk home. Time to walk home. <laughs> Thank God we live pretty close. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so. Rough night. Very you weren't going night. home anywhere. I wasn't going home anywhere. No. Woke up the next morning. Figured out what the hell, which way was up, barely. Yeah. And uh, then started to rehab. So. And it was a long day of rehab. Yeah, it was a long day. But long day. But Scotty's once again, man. I'm just snake bit. Can't go there. They need a freaking just, shuffleboard table. That's what I say. Can't go there. Because if we just sit there, here's what I think. First of all, it's Sketchville. So yeah. not the typical place that we hang out and have beers. Um, every neighborhood needs a neighborhood bar. What do you see? 158. I just jump two degrees. <laughs> There's nothing nefarious going on in there. No. <laughs> so every every neighborhood needs a di- neighborhood dive bar. Sure. Yeah. But, dude, there's a reason I like McMenamins, because they have the freaking shuffleboard, because then I'm not just sitting there drinking. drinking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, we chit-chat, we talk, but we're still drinking. But at still least, drinking. At least we have something to do. And at Scotty's, they just have what? Straight beer. And video poker. Video poker, <laughs> yeah. And a pool table, which I was uh, a bit insecure of walking over to you, <laughs> <laughs> with the uh, number of pool sharks playing in the yeah. corner. So, yeah, it's a again interesting deal. But I think if I were to own a neighborhood dive bar, yeah, I would have better beer, better beer, and more stuff to do. At least bring in a couple couple beers that are decent. Yeah, if you want to attract people like us, right? Well, I don't know that they want to attract. People they like don't. Us. No, they want. No. No, because they put a freaking rogue on <laughs> that I'm sure they got discounted from some guy. I'm sure John's market was like, well, we've had this one sitting here for a while. It was unmarked. We're not quite sure what it is, but yeah. we're going to call it Dead Guy. You guys can have it. And we'll sell it to you for like five bucks. <laughs> so, Sold. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Well, let's take a small break here, check on the beers, and then uh, we will come back at you. All right, we're back. Adventures in home brewing. Yeah, that was a hell of a break, dude. In real time, that was like a three-hour break. Yeah, that's uh, pretty sad. So uh, I believe we were mashing last time we were uh, on here. We were. Yeah. It was like three hours ago. Hit mash is done, <laughs> and we went decided to get lunch. Well, prior to that, we were going to recirc to set oh, the uh, yeah, green bed. Yeah, and uh, big old. Plug of crap. Big old plug. Big old plug came out of the bottom of that fermenter. Plugged up the pump. Solid. 
That was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it, like the pump was not moving anything. Now, so, so that we had to disassemble everything, pull the huge grain plug out of the hose and the uh, pump. Yeah, had to dig it out of the pump head because <laughs> it was just impacted really, really bad in there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, then what? What did we have? Uh, then we had to clean up the mess of the little bit of liquid that uh, actually came out. Well, it came out of the hose, Yeah, right? it came out of the hose. And then uh, got all that done. Oh, the oxygen system. <laughs> and your fine regulator that you have. Yeah, that sweet regulator. That's that's fun. Let me tell <laughs> off you. is on and on is off. On is off. Off is Yeah, it's no wonder I never have any oxygen anymore. Well, um, you know what? I bet oxygen would have been better for us yesterday, hangover cure-wise. Oh, God, yeah. Breathe all that. (laughs) (laughs) So then we snagged some lunch over New Seasons. Yep. And came back here, kicked this thing on to boil. (laughs) And And Gary's like, uh... He's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm missing one of the key ingredients. Uh, The lactose. Yeah, don't have the lactose. No lactose for you, baby. And then, lo and behold, uh, above the rest is closed today, so there's no going to that place to get uh, your your quick supply that you forgot. So it was a 25-minute drive time to Main Brew in Hillsboro, or a 17-minute drive to a place we'd never been, but Flyboy Brewing down in Lake Oswego, which used to sell homebrew stuff. And is still showing that they do online, yes. but uh, they don't. So we chose the 17 minutes, uh, and in hindsight, um, you just got to trust what you know. We yes. should have just drove the 25 yeah, minutes. We should have just drove the 25 minutes, got the lactose, came back, boom, done. Because we just spent uh, 35 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. In it traffic. is what it is. So so a key lesson here for everybody that's listening, if, if you're brewing as well, on brew day, take a quick inventory. Make sure you have every one of your supplies for that recipe before you start i think shit's just gonna happen <laughs> and i think we've proved, to, but... proved that the last couple episodes when i brew and it's hot <laughs> sticky abyss <laughs> flying over uh the tesla and under the ceiling <laughs> blowing the lid off going everywhere plug in your uh pump solid so that shit's leaking out and yeah it's uh... forgetting ingredients i mean it's shit just happens it does, but I, I think the ingredients piece is, is one of those ones that if you're cognizant of, of what you're doing, you check your brew supplies before your day, and then that doesn't happen. Yeah, right. It's just double checking. Right? It's just making sure you've got it all before you actually start the recipe. Totally. So let's see. what we got some brew news we wanted to cover. So we, you and I talked about one of these on... Uh, uh, dark beer night, so Friday, mm-hmm. and the Pabst lawsuit, dude. So the what? Pabst versus Coors. Oh yes, this is this is a thing of beauty. Yeah, so Pabst versus Coors. <laughs> um, Pabst is brewed. It's a contract brewing uh, thing they've got with Coors, and so uh, Coors is because they have uh, large-scale production, and Paps just flies off the shelves. Right. Uh, the time to renegotiate that contract is actually occurring. And basically, Coors came out and said, yeah, basically we want four times the amount that you signed for last time. Yeah. So as direct competitors, right, people that drink Coors and Coors Light are the same people that drink Paps. Right. Um, 
So they're basically brewing their competitors' beer, and so rightfully they said, you know what, we need to benefit from this. Yeah, we need, we need to be making some money from it. Well, Pabst was like, bullshit, you can't quadruple the price. <laughs> that's, you can't, that's bull. Coors is like, well, yeah, we kind of can. It's our facility. Yeah, right. And they're like, and screw you, you're our competitor. So, but I just found it fascinating that they're even having that conversation. Right. And... And that's just the way it is. And and that there's a lawsuit based on this. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that happens because essentially Pat's uh, asking for a cease and desist or some sort of restraining order for the contract to allow them to continue. But this is not going to turn out well for Pabst. No, it's not. And let alone what other breweries of that size, which they were saying Anheuser-Busch slash InBev is the only other one that could handle the production they need. Right. And they said that they don't do contract brewing. <laughs> so that means I think I think there's going to be a lot less Pabst yeah, there on the shelf. Probably shelves. is, yeah. Um, or or it's going to be a lot more. Yep, it's going to be totally different then. So I was reading a, uh, a blog deal, and it was based upon which we've covered a little bit <clears throat> um, the neighborhood tap houses. Um, and not necessarily the brewing side of it, but today is the five-year uh, anniversary of the Growlery right. down here in Beaverton. Yeah. Stones throw from your place here. And then, of course, we frequent Pacific Growlers quite a bit. So we're known to hang out at the tap houses in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so this thing's like, how do you know if you're in a good tap house? Or essentially, what makes... A good good tap tap house, right? So when we talked about that five-year window, right, of, look, if your business makes it past five years, that's generally a good thing, and you're like a mainstay in the community. Right. And the Growlery's had some difficulties, right? They have. I mean, they got busted for some underage stuff and were shut down temporarily or lost their license temporarily. Right. Um, And they've rebounded. I wonder if they counted that in for their five-year anniversary. I don't know. <laughs> I'm guessing they didn't. <laughs> I so. don't think so. <laughs> so, um, but the bigger thing is, why does the growlery work? Because I believe I know why the growlery works. Um, we don't. Ha- I don't hang out there as much as I used to. Um, but and then, how do specific growlers works? And Joe and Jay over there have something that's working. But there's been times that that thing's dead as a doornail right. and it doesn't yeah. work yeah. right and so we were talking with joe about that on friday a little bit about the different things they've tried and what's been successful what's not um and the different types of people that draw that are drawn by the things that are going on in these tap houses right right so what to you would draw you into a tap house um pretty much just a nice environment um, some type of table game, maybe a pool or uh, my my preference would be shuffleboard. Um, and then just a, maybe a few other things to do, maybe a TV or two for sports or whatever the case may be. But it, it's, it's kind of got to have like a living room feeling to it. So that when you're there, you just want to hang out and drink beer and talk with people. And, and be comfortable, right? Yeah. Can't be too loud, but sometimes you want it a little bit loud. I right. mean, 
So I, I think the thing's got to evolve, right, and change based upon kind of what's going on. Yes. On a Wednesday night when they're doing trivia night, it's going to be buzzing and going and... And how do you set up the environment so that it's supportive of that? Right. Versus a Friday night and the thing's popping because people want to go out and party and have a nice time. Right. Right. So then it's got to be able to adapt to that. Um, and then how do you how do you roll with a Sunday night, which has got to be super difficult? Oh, yeah. It's definitely got to be tough on right? Sunday. So, yeah. so how do you draw people in to make Sunday a popular time yeah, to get know. people in? Or do you just hang it up and not worry about it? Right. Right. So, and we saw the Growlery today is doing their five year anniversary. So they're doing a big thing where they've invited Boneyard and Ancestry in to do a tap takeover. So that's going to draw a bunch of people that normally wouldn't come come in that are right. attracted to those beers or that have some loyalty that usually go other nights. Right. They're going to visit today. Yeah. So, but you can't have a five year anniversary celebration every Sunday. No. So that so, doesn't work. Yeah, so the key is, I think for me, it's got to be comfortable, but the comfortable thing kind of changes throughout the day, too, right? Yeah, it's got to be adaptive. And it can't be all couches. I love a good couch. Like, those chairs we sat in over a Pacific Rally. Oh, yeah, those were nice. I, I dig that, and they used to have a lot more of those. Yes. But... But from a capacity standpoint, it's hard to do that. Well, and I think the realism, too, if you were to ask Jay and Joe, I bet they would say, look, how many fucking assholes have spilled beer in these things? Right. Where you got to get them cleaned, right? Yeah. And and generally because people are just pigs, generally. People don't take, <laughs> they take care of their own stuff sometimes. Right, but, but not, not anybody else's. Right. I don't want to sit on a sticky chair because somebody spilled beer in on it. Right. So, yeah, and it, it, so I think there's just a semblance of that. How do you make it not sterile? How do you make it feel welcome? And then how do you adapt to the day is the key to a good tap house. But the funny thing is, all that time, we've just discussed, like, the tap house in general. Right. We, we didn't talk about beer. Not Yeah, I didn't talk about beers at all. So does beer matter? Does the selection matter? Oh, I think it does. I mean, that's people will go to a tap house, but the in, in the environment... Is kind of what draws them in and maybe keeps them there for a while. But if you don't have good beer, they're going to come in, they're going to taste the beer, and they're going to be like, eh, it's okay, but I don't want to sit here and drink this beer all the time. Yeah, the Dark Beer Night was super successful for those guys. Yeah. Um, the place was popping. We couldn't find a seat. We had to sit outside for a while, and there were standing people outside, too. Yeah, I mean, we had to wait for a while. So I think you got to spice it up, but... Or splice it up and make it different, but I think that it's it can't be dark beer night all the time. No, you've got to have quality beer across the board. Yeah, and I think you have to have some sort of neighborhood attachment too. Mm-hmm. So again, we talked a little bit earlier in the program about Cooper Mountain Brewing right. and their support of the local brewers um, like Cooper Mountain. But I think you've got to have some sort of attachment where people will identify with that tap house. Right, and then want to come in and try that, but then also have, and Joe's talked about this, number one selling beer there is PBR. Like, he will sell the shit out of PBR compared to anything else on the menu. Right. So so then you got to have something for those folks, right? The guy that's coming in with his girlfriend that likes IPAs, he hates everything else except for PBR. So right, yeah. so he has a PBR? Yeah, he's got his PBR. Right, so then you gotta have some IPAs. You gotta have some sort of lager pills or anything. Right, and then you gotta have some darks. Right, and then now the vogue is sours. Oh yeah, 
We're going to get sexy with our sours, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you want to taste my salty nope. gose? <laughs> nope. Come on. Nope, not doing it. <laughs> and then what we saw there was a bunch of kombucha taps, right, and cider taps. Mm-hmm. So then that's the thing that I noticed about the growlery is that the growlery has 44 taps they brag about. Yep. Right? But I would say one-third of those taps are tied up with wine and kombucha and cider. They are. Yeah. So yeah. it pisses me off because when they first opened, there was nothing. It was flat-out beer, 44 taps of beer. Let's right. go, baby. But they've had to morph based upon people coming in. Of people's taste. To people's taste, of right? Of what they wanted. Yep. So, and then the other thing I guess we didn't hit is the growlery's got scenery, man. Oh, yeah, right there on the lake. Like yeah. the sun setting, the way it's... I mean, you're looking west over the lake. There's some row homes, but still you get the orangey sky with the yeah. sun setting. You're looking down on the lake. I mean, that's that's like, hey, not just two dudes sitting around. Well, I guess it could be two dudes. <laughs> it's not really our podcast. But, <laughs> no. But you and your lady friends sitting there saying, hey, let's have a pint. Oh, look at the sunset. Yeah, and it's great in the summertime for that. How you doing? Absolutely. I'm doing good. I'm hey, doing good. what do you want to do afterwards? Uh, I'm thinking about knocking boots. <laughs> I took it too far. <laughs> No, but I mean it's got it's got that right. Yeah, it's yeah, got the, it's got that kind of atmosphere too. It's it. got the little French restaurant next door with a vineyard, a sushi and steak place. Yeah, Dude, I'm getting sexy right yeah, now. I listen to you. <laughs> but Pacific doesn't have that, right? So how does it work versus the other? And we talked about the apartment complex next mm-hmm. to Pacific, but Pacific. He, Joe's like, we don't pull anybody out of there. Everybody we get is driving by or is return customers. Right. So, I don't know. What is the secret sauce for... I think it depends on your neighborhood, too. Yeah, I think it totally... You have to figure out what works in that neighborhood. Right. Right? Yeah. Iron Tap, the top house down towards Washington Square. Yes. We learned is failing pretty bad. And and why are they failing, right? I mean, there's nothing around them. That's why. No, it, it's all retail around them. Right. So. What, Lamps Plus and Target? Yeah. I mean, it's there's the it's Libyan not, hookah bar. It's got to be like a destination place, and it, right. If when you've got that kind of surrounding, and it, it's hard to be a destination place. Well, this goes back to saturation, which we talked about in the last episode. Yeah, where a lot of these places are starting to go out of business as far as the breweries, right? Because they're not differentiating themselves from anything else that's out there. And so I think these tap houses have to do the same thing. How do you stay relevant and and say, hey, look, yeah, we're interesting. And so my neighborhood wants the same crap over and over and over again. Or, hey, we're one of those that we're going to have most of the same stuff on. But you know that every time you walk through my door, I'm going to have one or two new awesome things that you've never seen before. Right. Right. To me, that I'm attracted to the stuff that I've never seen before, as long as it's not too far out. Right. Right. But the stuff that I really, really, really want is the stuff that I can't get anywhere else. Right. So yeah. to me, that's where you have to connect with the Cooper Mountain Brewings and and Mustang Brewing and some of these little neighborhood breweries that are selling one or two offs. Right. Right. Yep. Um, not getting the staples. But then what John's all pissed off because... I want IPA. I want ninety-five-year-old <laughs> dead guy, right? Yeah. That's what he wants. Well, yeah, right. but that's what he likes, though. Right? I mean, that's that's him. That's Which his, is cool, right? That's his his stick. But that's the thing is, you got to be able to, I guess, 
please everybody. Right. Or you, you choose to only please a certain amount and just go with that. Yeah. So interesting question, but interesting to watch these guys. Congratulations to the Growlery and your five-year anniversary. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, Joe, you've got to be approaching that. I forget. They had their birthday celebration. Was that their four-year or two-year or three? I don't know. I want to look. Yeah. They've been there for a little while. So, um, well, what else here? Oh, the Radical Brewer. So I was watching a <laughs> vlog the other day. Cameron tells me, hey, we should have a vlog instead of a blog, uh, podcast. Yeah, a, vi- a video vlog. Yeah, basically, we're on YouTube doing this instead. Mm. I'm like, we can barely pull our shit together to do a podcast, yeah, let, alone- let alone video and all that crap. <laughs> no Jesus. Um, but so I was watching a vlog, and these two guys are doing, uh, with some handy editing, uh, a vlog talking about beers. And I guess every Christmas... And I'll put the title of this thing in the uh, show notes. But every Christmas they do a beer based upon the Radical Brewer book. Oh. and Or Radical Brewing, I think it is. Yeah. And so this thing is, get crazy with your brewing. I mean, like anybody can make a basic ale or Pilsner or lager. Right. But do, do one-offs. So don't do just do five-gallon batches. Make one-gallon test batches and... That way you're not fully in. And you can do a one-gallon test batch in the kitchen, right? Yeah. I mean, you just boil it up and kind of do your thing. Right. Um, And then they throw it in like a one-gallon jar with a fermentation lock on the top and just let it go. Let it do its thing. So each Christmas, these yahoos copied (laughs) an imperial stout (laughs) recipe. um, And then they do something slightly different with this imperial stout recipe. So the first year it was like... Cinnamon, cardamom, it was pretty much what the recipe called for, but a kind of a Christmassy winter ale, imperial stout. Right. And then the next year, they said, hey, what if we throw some bourbon into this? So we'll throw a half cup of bourbon into this thing at the tail end. Well, we know the alcohol that's in there will absolutely affect uh, fermentation, so you've got to wait to do that. Yeah. But they took a half cup of bourbon after the thing had been done and petered off. And threw that in there with their cinnamon and cardamom. <laughs> and then the next year, they added like half thing of bourbon and a half thing of like vodka to boost the alcohol up a little bit. So now we're starting to mix and do some crazy stuff. Yeah. Right? Now so, you're blending. So this year, they wanted to make an same recipe, but they want to make an oatmeal cookie flavored imperial stout. Huh. So they did oatmeal, which you used in your batch today. Right. And then they backed off on the bourbon and the vodka. Uh, I think they still use the vodka. And they use that for their uh, cocoa nibs and their vanilla. Uh-huh. But they dropped that in. And supposedly this thing tastes identical to a oatmeal cookie. And then they give it out as a gift to their friends at Christmas time. And it's yeah. a one-off thing. So I was like, that is a fantastic idea. And what yeah. a way to, like, keep brewing going Share bottles with your buddies or your family members that dig beer, stuff like that. Right. But also not, like, blow five gallons on, on some a one-off. recipe. Yeah. Right. And especially it could potentially just suck. Exactly. Right? Which yeah. is my fear is, like, I'm stuck with five gallons of beer. What the hell am I going to do? Right. Right? So, so I'm thinking about this a little bit. I'm like, we need to do something totally, totally different to up what we're doing 
<laughs> and we need to start a bottle share. And there's a couple bottle shares around. Yeah. But And we talked about this with Joe over Pacific Growlers. He's willing to host if he can participate. But once a, <laughs> once a quarter is host a bottle share over Pacific. Yeah. And then kind of make our own little beer club. And I know the Portland Beer Club does their deal um, and all that. But there's no reason why we can't get a bunch of other people jazzed up. So in this case, you bring a good quality beer to share with a group, or you buy something that's uncommon, right? Not something I'm finding on the shelf at the stores, right? but an uncommon beer to share. And we test it and try it and exchange ideas and say, yeah, this is how I did this or that, or God, you should have seen the size of the plug on this thing. <laughs> and, and we share, but once a quarter, it gives us some reason to go over to the growler shop at the local tap room right and try something new and share and explore this home brewing thing we do and, and and it also gives like for the brewers a reason to brew something different right right and if you do it once a quarter then it guess what it's changes with the seasons of beers which yeah. is we talk about that yeah. right so the fall you're seeing marzins or pumpkin ales or things like that right winter i'm seeing some stouts and all that um, spring, I'll probably see some pails and maybe some amber type stuff. Yep. And midsummer, I'm going to see a lot of pilsners and lagers. Yeah. So, or our favorite, the Kolsch. The Kolsch. So, yeah, I found a good recipe for a tangerine Kolsch. Oh, interesting. Doesn't that sound good? That does sound pretty. Especially good. my liver's not recovered from Friday, <laughs> but something light like a tangerine Kolsch sounds. The effervescence sounds fantastic. Yeah. Doesn't it, Gary? No, stop it. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you just stop right there. <laughs> so, anyways, so that's just an idea I got. I'm going to actually carry this thing a little bit out and, and see if we can get this bottle club going. But yeah. it gives us a reason to brew at least once a quarter. We brew a lot more often than that. But then it gives us a reason to share some of our beers and kind of move this thing forward, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't want to replace anything that's already out there. I just want to add to, and, and we've got a group that we're trying to get into home brewing. Yeah. So this would be one way to do that. To do it. Yes, yeah. very definitely. Yeah. So, cool. All right, man. What else you got? That's about it. That's just waiting for the boil. Waiting boil. for the boil. We're at 208, so we're getting really, really getting close. really close to being able to throw the hops in, do a 60-minute boil, call it good. Yeah, that's nice, nice. Well, I think that's all we got. Oh, we didn't talk timbers, so let's uh, talk a little timbers here. So, no news this week. Everybody's just practicing, yep. rehabbing and practicing. Game is on the 25th. So, that's uh, coming up the Sunday of Thanksgiving, I believe, right? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. So, and then, so the Timbers will probably have Thanksgiving dinners with their family, and then they'll fly off to KC, I'm guessing, that Friday after Thanksgiving. No, yeah. no, no. They play here first, I think. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're first right. Lakes here at home. So, the 20, and it's a 4.30 game. That's right. I yeah. saw that. Yeah. So, that's kind of nice. I like the 4.30 game. 7.30 is a pain in the ass. 7.30 is a huge pain in the ass on a, on a Sunday. So, I got no predictions on this game. We've talked about it. We, yeah. We've had our cake. And anything else we've got is icing on it that is cake. Is icing on it. I, I totally agree. Um, and Sporting KNC is just, they're playing out of their minds right now. So yeah. they're going to be tough. They've had a great defense. I mean, we needed the rest, but 
Um, I think the rest is equally beneficial for Kansas City. Yep. Right? Absolutely. Um, and I think in many ways it's more beneficial because tactfully, tactically, tact- tactically, they can figure out how to break the back line down. Right. And Timbers uh, on 30, Ross Smith and all those guys were talking a little bit about the Timbers line and how solid that line's been and how organized it's been. If you look at the Timbers back line with Liam Ridgewell and Larry's back there, I mean, it is a solid, I mean, when Liam moves, the line moves, and they are all in line playing that high offsides trap. Right. Um, and then the next layer in front of it with the midfield is organized, too. So you've not only got to bust through one line, you you've got to bust through two, two right? Yep. And they, they're talking about the help defenses back, that if you make, make it past that first line, that the defenders are willing to step and fill that space that's very very tight in between. Exactly. Yeah. And it just throws everything off. So it makes it makes it so you got to reset all the time. Yeah. And so that's really what you saw with Seattle. Seattle was having to go back, push the ball back to fry, yep. reset the play, try it all over. Try coming back at us again. Yeah. And eventually the Timbers will get a turnover. So it'll be interesting to see how KC adapts to that. Yeah. And does an extra week or two help as far as figuring out some sort of strategy to help break down that line? Or can the Timbers be disciplined and really hold through? Um, yeah. It, it, the one thing I've noticed with that lines, though, is, is when they're playing it like that, is if you can get the ball out wide and then pop it over behind the back line, that's where we've seen teams have really good success against the Timbers. Right. And we've just got to hope and pray that Kansas City doesn't figure that out. Yeah, it's interesting. Liam actually talked about that a couple months ago when he was first starting to make the push on coming back. Yeah. About one of his most favorite things is punching a ball and having it drop right behind that back line. Yeah. And having it be in a place where Blanco or Valeri can just receive it and go. Yeah. But he gets some of the most pleasure out of being able to lift that ball and literally just drop it in right behind the line. Yeah. And that's exactly where that's a danger for the Timbers. It it is. It really is. If you're going to play that high line, then be prepared because people are going to start dropping balls behind you. Exactly. So do you have enough speed to be able to do that? And I think we do when Char is there or Guzman's in there. Right. Right. And I wouldn't say Guzman's speedy, but he's a smart physical player. So he may take a couple bangs. On you to slow you down versus beating you in a foot race. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what's happening. So, of course, I'll be there Sunday, and uh, that might alter with the podcast. Right. But we'll figure that piece out out. and and see what the mood is. Cool. cool. All right, man. Well, let's close this bad boy out. So uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend. Same to you. Thank you. And happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners. Um, We hope you have a wonderful holiday. And uh, take advantage of all those Black Friday ads uh, on Black <laughs> Friday, not on Thanksgiving. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Right. Don't Enjoy shop. Your Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, I guess one Spend final time piece with family. on that Black Friday stuff. Stout Tanks and Kettle Works is in Tigard here, and if you go to Stout Tanks online, they're doing a huge Black Friday deal, like geared at home brewers. Mm. And so instead of a two hundred and fifty buck um, stainless steel fermenter, they're blowing these things out at ninety nine bucks. Oh, wow. Um, and they've got hot liquor tanks. They've got all that stuff. So um, great, great, great deals as we approach there. But um, And then if you go to Northern Brewer and some of those sites, they're also doing the same type of thing. 
huge discounts for you home brewers out there. So all sorts of good stuff coming up. But with that, we will close this out. And you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Tim Beard.